Welcome back to the third in our series on the Book of Numbers, which is Israel's travelogue from Mount Sinai to the doorstep of the Promised Land, a journey that could have been done in about two months. But in this center section of the book, uh, spanning Numbers chapters 13 through 19, we learn why it ended up taking 40 years. As the whole nation is moving steadily toward the Promised Land of Canaan, Moses sends out an advance party of 12 spies to scope out the land. There's one spy for each of the tribes with the mission to find out what the land is like. Is it good? Is it bad? What are the people like? Are they strong? Are they weak? Are the cities fortified? And Moses' final instruction is try and bring back some of the fruit of the land, uh, perhaps the first ripe grapes of the harvest. And this kind of makes really good sense. There's the strategic intelligence, which will be useful, but also a boost for the travelers. Uh, how does Moses keep up the spirits of the weary Israelites trudging through the desert? Well, give them something to look forward to. Let them know just how good is the land to which they are traveling. 40 days later, the spies return and they report the fruit was spectacularly good. It was indeed a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, not literally, but that well-known expression simply means that the land was fertile and productive. Its produce was nourishing and sweet. But, says the spies, the people there are powerful in their well-fortified cities. Not only are they strong, the spies even saw giants there descendants of the men of renown from long ago. Uh, so the spies advise against attacking. They say, go to Canaan, it's a bad idea. But there were two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who advised the opposite. They said that Israel should go up and take the land promised to them by God. But for now, back in camp, Joshua and Caleb's minority report is ignored. We pick it up from chapter 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt, or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us up to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Uh, this is a sign of mourning and deep humility and utter dependence on God. They throw themselves on God's mercy. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, further signs of grief over the sin of the people. Uh, Joshua and Caleb said to the entire assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. 
and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So what's at stake here, according to Joshua and Caleb? Well, this is an issue of obedience. To refuse to take the land is actually rebellion against God who promised it to them. It's not about who's got the strongest army, whether the odds are favourable for the Israelites. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. That is, they're going to stone Joshua and Caleb. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Ultimately, the people are despising God. They are holding him in contempt by refusing to obey his call to take the land. They've rejected the land. And the real problem is unbelief in the face of everything that God has done on the back of their miraculous escape out of Egypt. Remember all the plagues and the Passover and the Red Sea? After everything they saw and heard at Mount Sinai, God proposes simply just destroy the lot of them and build a new nation, presumably around Moses and Joshua and Caleb. Well, what happens next? Not for the first time in the Bible, we see a man plead mercy on behalf of a people who absolutely do not deserve it. One righteous man stands in for the rest. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people, and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Notice that Moses' intercession on behalf of the people hinges on the greater glory of God. His reputation, his glory and his promises are what matter most, not the worthiness of Israel. The people of both Egypt and the people of Canaan are to know that God is indeed supreme. He is Lord of all. In response to Moses' prayer, God relents. Verse 20, The Lord replied, I have forgiven them, as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them, 
will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. Not one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. And so God decrees that Israel will wander around as nomads in the desert for the next 40 years until that generation dies of natural causes and a new generation arises that will put their faith in him and his promises. Their faith will result in obedient action and they will inherit the land. So often, the New Testament writers call their readers to reflect back on narratives such as this that we've just read today. And so Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians in chapter 10, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, that's the manna, and they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. When we face challenges to our faith, God is always faithful. There is a way out, a way forward in obedience to God, even though we may not know all of the details in advance. But what we do is we follow God and his ways, refusing to give in to unbelief and therefore temptation. And in the act of doing so, God will open the way forward so that we can endure. Today, I encourage us all to commit ourselves to God's way forward in whatever circumstance we find ourselves.